the Lord kept replaying a song in my spirit all week. And it's the title of our message today. Amen. He said a lot of Christians are in this situation. What goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. Listen to the words now. Talking about your troubles, it's a crying sin. Catch a painted pony, let the spinning wheel spin. Road is hating on that merry-go-round. You got no money. Got no money. Got no, got no home. Spinning wheel, spinning all alone. alone. Talking talk about, about your troubles, you never learn. To paint it, pony, go another lap. Did you find the directions of the Holy Spirit? Straight and narrow highway. Do you need a reflecting sign? Let it shine your mind and your spirit. What's real and what's memorized? Holy Spirit will give it to you. Amen. Some things wait for you. Just for you. Spin wheel. Spin true. Drop all your troubles by the riverside. The river's playing by the water. Catch a painted pony on the spinning wheel ride. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. He said, some of us are just spinning our wheels. Amen. On a merry-go-round. Cycle after cycle after cycle. Riding on that painted pony. Amen. Talking about our troubles. It's a crying sin. Talking about our troubles. And we never learn. Then we catch another lap. And let that spinning wheel turn. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And the actual word he gave me is Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, for the opportunity once again to partake of your word. And we ask you right now, Father, to speak, hallelujah, to our spirits, to fortify us, to illuminate the things that we need to know, to reprove us in the areas in which we are wrong, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to guide us, to do everything 
according to your word and will in this time and season. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for the revelation that you would give us today. Father, that we would heed it, that we would abide by it, that as various cycles that are repeating themselves keep coming back around, that you would show us, Father, exactly how you would have us to handle those situations, Lord. We praise and thank you, Father, for this. Give you the glory, honor, and praise for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, the author of that song from a group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears, amen, a lot of you know of the Tom Jones version. Sammy Davis Jr. did a version. I even saw a version with, uh, what's her name? Oh, my goodness. Barbara Eden from I Dream of GD. She even did a version. But the main and original version was by Blood, Sweat, and Tears with uh, a songwriter, David Clayton Thomas, who also sang it. And when they asked him to meet him that song, he basically said, don't get caught up in a bunch of nonsense. Everything comes full circle. Amen. I was like, wow, that man had more revelation in that song than most Christians walking around on a daily basis, realizing that a lot of things that we do, a lot of things we involve ourselves with, good and bad, amen, sometimes come back full circle. And we have to be able to recognize those things and be able to make adjustments, amen, as necessary. And also learn the things that we're called to learn as those cycles come back around again. <laughs> One of the things that... The song says, what goes up, amen, must come down. It's just like gravity. I could jump as high as I want to, but at the end of the day, actually, and even the end of the day, within a few seconds of me jumping, I'm going to come back down to the very place that I leapt from. Now, I can go forward in motion a little bit, you know, jump forward, jump backwards, but the reality is if I go up, there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction, amen, just because gravity itself, God bless you, that I have to come down. And sometimes as we're going through life and we see different situations hit us, you know, hit us home and sometimes hit us where it hurts, we wonder where did this come from, amen? The reality is sometimes you put something up in the air and just because it doesn't come back in the moment doesn't mean that it's not floating around there somewhere waiting to come back down and unfortunately it might come down in a, in a situation, a circumstance or a time period which you don't like, amen? But the reality is if you put it up there, Unless the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the power of God comes in to intercept it, it's going to come down. And the thing is, we don't have to be totally afraid of that. There's going to be a lot of good thing that we place up in the heavenlies that comes down on us. Amen? But sometimes as we go through various cycles and we say, why is this repeating itself? Or why is this happening now? It's because we, it's not necessarily the devil, our family members, our co-workers, the person over there to get on my last nerve, that person that is always pushing my buttons. Sometimes there's various things that we ourselves have placed in the air that are now coming back and landing in our situations. Amen? Hallelujah. We see that in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. 
but let every man prove his own work. And then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Hallelujah. So we see here God's gravitational pull, amen, in the spirit. What goes up does come down. And the great thing about that is a lot of times, you know, we reap the fruits of our spiritual labors and the seeds that we've planted in various circumstances. Matter of fact, there's a lot of times that you do something and you don't even give it much thought. That smile in the store, that touch on the arm, little nod of the head. Somebody's reaching for something that they can't grab and you go over there and grab it. Somebody's going through and you show them compassion. A lot of times you're planting seed into the life of other people that to you is just a random act of kindness or really just being a a good person, amen? But you don't realize that based upon what that person may be going through and the warfare that they're encountering, that even though to you it was something that you forgot within a couple of minutes, you have literally planted spiritual seed in that person's life that when you need a harvest or a dividend upon what you've done, it comes back, amen, and nourishes you and equips you and breaks the prison doors and takes off the shackles and gives you power to overcome when you thought you had no strength whatsoever. These are some of the things that we plant into the realm of the spirit, even though in the natural we thought, oh, what's the big deal, amen? But God keeps an account of those things and he allows, amen, openings of the the, the pipeline in the heavenlies to allow his favor to come and pour down upon us in times of need. Now, as it relates to some of the negative things we see here, God is not mocked and God is not deceived, amen? We don't like to think about that, but sometimes the reality is that there's certain situations, as we see with the potter, molding that clay on the the wheel and saying, I'm defining who you are and what you've called to be, amen? And pulling out different things out of us that he doesn't desire to be there and massaging us into what he desires us to be. Sometimes we literally fight against that because I don't want to do this in this time and season or that's too inconvenient or I'm afraid of this or that or I don't want to do it for those people because they're not my type of people or they did this wrong to me so why should I bless them when they're always dogging me out and and talking about me, amen? Sometimes we do stuff for inappropriate reasons, or sometimes fail to do the things that God is calling us to do. We're going to be, be honest, sometimes we're just flat out rebellious or lazy and don't want to do the things that God has called us to do. And because of that, there's times in which we may have to face, amen, our own inadequacy, our own shortcomings, the flukes and the flaws and the quirks that are inside of us. One of the things I noticed as I was looking at that passage, and it talked about the clay being in a potter's hand, amen, that hand is not just 
any old hand. It talks about the closed hand of God, but it also talks about the open hand of God. And it says as the potter was massaging and molding this clay into a vessel that was meet for his purpose, it was the open hand of God, which talks about his power and his guidance directing you into a certain arena or a certain goal or a certain purpose that is defined in his mind. So as God is trying to mold you and to get you somewhere and refine you and do the things that he wants to do in you, are you fighting against the hand of God, that directional hand of God, or are you yielding to what he wants to do in your life? Amen? Talked about the spinning wheel, turning and turning and turning. One of the things you see with the potter is that he molds that clay and, and he squeezes out of it the things that are impure. Sometimes he has to reach down and grab a lump out of that thing and just totally pull it, put it, and discard it. Some of us going through the process of that spinning wheel and we find ourselves in repeated cycles and it's not because the potter God has not tried to massage you and mold you into his perfect will and his, and his plans and his direction for your life in this time and season. It's because he's literally squeezed you into one shape and you have expanded yourself out to somewhere that you're not called to be. Or sometimes he has squeezed you into a certain angle or direction and you fight up against it and say I don't want to shape be shaped thus so you're trying to make me a vase and I want to be an ashtray we fight up against the the maker the the creator and what he wants us to be and then there's times where God will say this is a gross imperfection not something I could just massage underneath the surface and paint over this is a lump that I got to pull out it's got to totally go away and I got to discard it and we let God take us to that process. And even though we fight and we're reluctant and we're hurt and we're bitter and we're angry, and why are you doing this to me in this time and season? God takes us through the process anyway because he loves us and he wants to purify and make us perfect. So he discards that lump of clay and we jump off that wheel, grab that lump, and put it right back into our lives. Amen? Spinning wheels. Spinning around. And see, here's the thing. We can fight. We can buck. We can be an ashtray when he wants a vase. And that wheel keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. And you're saying, why do I keep ending up back here? Because you're fighting the potter. And the reality is, all roads lead back to that same place on that spinning wheel. He loves you enough. He cares about you enough. He's given you enough freedom in your life to let you do certain things that you're called to do, but then there's certain aspects of your life that are absolutely defined. He will not alter them for you, and as long as you fight up against those things, you're going to end right back up the center of that will, being squeezed and having that same lump pulled out of here. And here's the thing. When we jump off of that wheel and grab that lump and reinsert it back into our lives, you ever go to a place where there's kind of like stuff on the floor <laughs> and it's sticky like a clay and you pick it up and it's got hair and stuff stuck to it? Yeah, I'm grossing y'all out on purpose. When you go and grab that lump, you're not just getting the lump. You're embedded the hair, the dirt, the trash. Rat droppings, yeah, let's go there. Rat droppings. 
people's smelly feet being on that floor, and you say, ah, back in place. And see, the thing is, you take the lump, and because it's a flaw, imperfection in you that you yourself even know isn't it right, we try to smooth it over. God's already pulled it out of you and smoothed you over, but then we got the nerve to grab the lump, stick it back in, and then we try to flatten it out. You can fool everybody else and throw paint on it, but God said, uh-uh, I see that big behind lump. And you can paint it up, like blue and red. I'll use glossy paint instead of flat. You can make it all pretty. That paint will dry, and you can even put a coat of clear you know, polyurethane or something over to make it shine really bright. And God says, see you on the next pass. You're going right back on that wheel. I'm going to mold you again. I'm going to pull that same lump out of you again. So we can keep repeating this cycle indefinitely, or you can get to the point where you say, I'm tired of being on the repeat cycle of this spinning wheel. Amen? We see here there's times as brothers in the body of Christ that go off track and get tempted by different things. And it says we should restore them in a spirit of meekness. That shows us that none of us should be so full of ourselves that, hey, I'm going to sit here and work on all your lumps, but my clay vessel is pure. No, we all got different things and different areas in which we have lumps. But one of the things we see here is about a spirit of pride, thinking that you're perfected. Just because you cleaned yourself and smoothed things out, you can get to the point where say, because I hid that imperfection that's inside of me, smoothed it out and painted it over, that, oh, look at me. I got the peacock spirit. I'm looking good. I know how to stand up the right way. I know how to show up on, right, on, on time. I know how to say the right things. I got talent. I can sing. I can preach. I can do whatever else. But all you're doing is hiding it. And we see here, God says, when a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Notice what he says here. It doesn't say when a man thinks himself to be something, when he is nothing, he fools God or he fools the people around him. He said, no, you fool yourself. Because a lot of times everybody around you is seeing it. It doesn't even take a lot of supernatural revelation from the throne room of God to say, that person got issues because they become evident. And sometimes when you keep massaging something over and over again and trying to give it a patch job, you get to the place that even with the patch job, you can still see the outer boundaries of where the patch lied. Amen? <laughs> I remember a time we had a big hole in our wall, and me and um, a neighbor across the street, Jimmy, patched it, painted over it. It looks great. But if you get in really, really close, you can see a slight little line there from when we painted over it. So there's always place or a level of discernment that can see underneath our patch jobs and our cleanup process. And see, here's the thing. When God purifies you and cleanses it, there's nothing to patch up, cover up, or try to hide because he has totally 
discarded it. So we got to make the choice. Are we going to keep going through life? We should be joyous about the things that we plant in the spirit and seed into people's lives that come back into our lives in time of need. But those things that we've put up there that are inappropriate, that are ungodly, that are fleshly in nature, when what comes up comes down, don't be surprised if you're ashamed and if it comes back with more than what you originally hid. Because like I said, stuff will stick to it. The world will say things will come back to haunt you. I ain't going to say it's going to haunt you, but I'm going to say it's like a boomerang. You toss that thing out there, and that thing may go a long distance depending on how far you threw it. But like I said, just like a boomerang, that thing will stay out there for a while, come right back. <laughs> I remember as a little kid, we had boomerangs. We used to get these kits that even make boomerangs. Then we used to have some resin and stuff like that, and we had to wrap it up a certain amount of way, let it dry, and then we'd paint it. Then we'd take that thing down to the local play, play, playground, and when you first threw it, you might throw it, it just hits the ground. Like, oh, shoot, I ain't throw it hard enough. And then, then you throw it, and it would go out and spin, and it would start to cycle back, but it would end up, you know, 20, 50 feet over to the side. But when you really, really got skilled with that thing, you could throw that thing as hard as you want. Stand right there and that thing come right back to you. Unfortunately, in the realm of the spirit, some of us are masters at the boomerangs of our mess. Amen? You toss it and you even move. But that thing has, you know, the ability to detect where you are and come back and hit you when you least expect it. Amen? That's why God tells us, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life and everlasting. There'll be a residue with the things that you do for God. Amen? Hallelujah, that will linger. But the things that are un, inappropriate, we cannot be surprised when they come back into our lives. Amen? And like I said, we cannot blame people, places, things, the devil, and all his imps. There are going to be certain things that we go through in life that are just part of being in this world system. People get sick. People have accidents. People die. Amen? There are certain things that we have to experience in life that are through no fault of anybody and not associated with sin. But the, the thing is, as we're looking at the principle of what a man sows, he shall surely reap. We should not be surprised, amen, that the good things that we sow come back to us as a result of what we've planted, knowingly or unknowingly, in the life of somebody else. But it's the same in contrast. Whether you're fully aware of it or not, those things will come back to you. And we cannot blame a bunch of people, the devil, or anything. I, like, like I said, the primary cause of things coming back to you are through your own seed planting. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I talked about God's spinning will. And it says in verse 4 of our text scripture, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel. That word again means to return or retreat to the starting point. I'll say it again. The word again in our text scripture 
It means to return or retreat to the starting point. In other words, I talked about God's open hand of direction, power, and influence molding and squeezing and refining us and then directing us off that will into where he wants us to be as well as the purpose he has defined. And when we allow ourselves to fight up against the removal of the things that are marred in our life and then we get reattached to them or we get attached to other things or we fight against God's plan and purposes for our lives, it says that he has to get us back to the place where whether it's through retreat, amen, or other reasons, we return to the starting point. And if we're returning to the starting point, that means that no matter what you chose to do, well, God says, I'm going to do ABC, and I've decided that I'm scared of ABC. I'm going to do DEF. Or you hear God clearly, he says, you're going to do ABC. He's like, I'm too important for that. Anybody can do DEF. Huh. You know how gifted I am? Shoot, matter of fact, I can go to XYZ. I can jump all that any minute stuff. I play with the big boys. I'm going to go to X, Y, and Z. Well, God says as you go through all that stuff that you do, and it may even seem that there's certain things that you did right, at the end of the day, if you fought against the process of how he molded and refined you and launched you off of that will, it says here that you will return or even retreat. In other words, sometimes the enemy don't beat you up and you running back for dear life. And what does God do? He said, all right, back to A, B, C. A, B, C. Oh, we can't even go to, to the, sing the alphabet song. God said, A, B, we're going to do the Michael Jackson, the, the Jackson 5. A, B, C. <laughs> Easiest one, two, three. <laughs> He's going to put you back to A, B, C. Because at the end of the day, the potter is the one who defines it, not you. Amen? So here's the thing. You can fight against him, cycle one, two. You could be like <coughs> America's top Michael, model. I don't even know what cycle. They're on 2021. But regardless, when you get back on that wheel and he's dealing with you, he will return you back to that starting point and says, now I'm going to go through the process of recycling you again, pulling out the lumps that you've gathered over the last cycle, and now we're going to start you back anew in the very thing that I was molding and trying to do and launching your life on the previous cycle. Amen? Wash, lather, rinse, and repeat. <laughs> Fortunately with us, we're not like clothing that, after being washed too many times, starts to dry, get a little bit, you know, the, 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 the fabric starts to decay and fade and finally get to the place where we might give it away. God is quite patient saying, hey, I'll make you again. To what? A good vessel. Good vessel is what he's defined you to be, not what you've defined yourself to be. We already seen a man thinking of himself being something when he is nothing. He deceives himself. Everybody wants to be a superstar. I'm so sick of going on Facebook and everybody's got a video moment. Everybody trying to be CNN and trying to be the next 15 minutes of fame or the next person that jumps out 
of nowhere to become a superstar. Amen? That's the problem. Everybody trying to be a star don't want to live in the reality of what God has called them to be. He hasn't called everybody to have fame. Amen? Matter of fact, Justin Bieber is one of those people that exploded into fame. They, I didn't see it, but they said the tail under his roast, he actually came up after everybody clowned him and said all these things and called him all kinds of names. He clowned him back, but then he had a serious moment. He said, you know what? I got full of myself. And he said, I got to start doing things right. Now, whether he does that or not, that's another story. But he basically said, I let this get to my head. I'm full of myself, and I did a lot of stuff I shouldn't have do, done, and I hope you people give me a chance to get it right. Amen? Unfortunately, some of us are still in deception and never come to that place where this young man did. Amen? But see, like I said, God will give you another cycle. Matter of fact, God will guarantee you another cycle of being molded and refined and dispatched out onto that, off of that wheel. So as we look at the wheel, it's basically two things are going to come out of it. God's going to launch you into his will or he's going to launch you into what will eventually pan out to be your repeat cycle. But the choice is yours. Amen? Whether you got to go through a repeat cycle, God bless you, or you allow yourself to be launched into what God has for you. Deuteronomy 2, 1 through 7. Then we turned and took our journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea, as the Lord spake unto me. And we compassed Mount Seir many days. And the Lord spake unto me, saying, You have compassed this mountain long enough. Turn you northward. And command thou the people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell in Seir, and they shall be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land. No, not so much as a food breath, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for possession. You shall buy meat of them for money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water of them for money that you may drink. For the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand. He knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness. These 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee. Thou hast lacked nothing. See, God don't have no problem with you repeat cycling. Those people were days away from their blessing, and they stayed there 40 years, a generation. And see, God got to the point, he says, he's basically saying, when are y'all going to stop this repeat cycle? It's time for y'all to go northward. But he says, when you go northward, you're going to pass through the children of Esau. And he said, I don't want you meddling with them. In other words, don't get all entrenched in their business. Don't be co-mingling with them. Don't become a part of them or ask them to come and be a part of our crew. You're just passing through. So don't get the stench of those people or the traditions and the, the drama and all that stuff intertwining your life. You're going to pass through. And he said, oh, this, by the way, those people are afraid of you because they see my presence upon you and my blessings. They're going to be afraid of you. But he said, as you pass through, don't take no handouts. Because if you take handouts, you owe people something. 
He said, don't take no hands out from him, but I'll tell you what, as you're going through, if you want to buy food and drink, that's fine, but don't get no freebies. Don't take no shortcuts. Just keep the mindset that I'm taking you somewhere else and don't get caught up in all the drama of their lives. Keep it moving, in other words. See, one of the reasons that we could repeat our cycles, amen, of futility and frustration and we keep finding ourselves coming back to the same place that we thought we left a thousand times before. Is that sometimes God tells us, you're going to cross paths with some people in your family, your neighborhood, and your job, and various organizations, whatever. You're going to pass by certain people on the way to where I'm taking you, but don't get all intertwined in their stuff. Don't be asking them to hook you up and, and give you handouts and give you shortcuts to where you're going. And yes, if you need something, it's okay for you to get it from them, but you're going to do it in such a way that you pay the debt in full and don't owe them anything. So when you get to the other side, you don't have to look back and say, oh, now I owe that one something. And oh, I got to hook him up because, amen? See, you're not running for office with God, Amen? You get to your post and they're like, okay, well, well, I gave you all the voters in my district, so now you got to give me a sweetheart. No. God said, all right, we have none of that. You're going to get to the place where I have you to go and owe no man nothing. And matter of fact, he says, I will get you to this place through this great wilderness, and people will know that I, the Lord thy God, have been with thee, and you have lacked nothing. Amen? Notice that. They were running around in circles for 40 years. And God said, you didn't lack a thing. You were clothed. You drank and you ate. You survived. You know, when people could attack you and exterminate you and all you're going around us. Got me going in circles. Around and around I go. You got me going in circles. That's some of our lives. Amen? Round the circles. Around and around and around I go. And then we got the nerve. Hey, that looks familiar. Because sworn I saw that. Nah. Round more circles. Oh, wow. Ooh, wee. Just as dazed, deceived, disillusioned, and dumb. Tenth circle. Hey, that looks familiar. Seriously? I'll give you a physical illustration. But it's some of the stuff we do in the spirit. Go round and round and round. See the same old thing. See the same old lack of change. See the same old obstacles and setbacks. See the same old miscues. Did I see that before? Just put a spiritual dunce hat on us. Amen? That's why Pamela say we dumb sheep. <laughs> Just go around and around and around. Same old cycles. Maybe new people. Maybe new neighborhood, job, organization. Same things. And we wonder... And maybe, just maybe, it's because as we've navigated that circle, oh, I can't get around the next cycle unless you hand me that paperclip. 
See, took something from somebody that God said we didn't need. Then we go around another cycle. Dang, that looks familiar. Well, you know what? You give me that microphone, maybe I won't see that again. Go round and round again. Instead of trusting in God and doing things God's way and seeking him for strength and power and inspiration and doing things according to his guidelines instead of our own or what people are telling us to do. And meddling in stuff that gets attached to us that we never should have been involved in. God told them here, meddle not with them because I will not give you their land. So you take your eyes off of the land that God has for you and you start to settle for land that's only in the middle of your journey but not where he's called you to be. God said you make an attachment with something that was never yours. That is the place for the Esau's. It's not yours. Matter of fact, stop trying to steal their stuff and stop hesitating and stopping on your journey trying to get what was never yours. Keep it moving. Just all meddling up in their stuff and getting caught up in their stuff. Well, God told you to keep it moving. And we wonder why we stay in that circle. Like I said, we see here 40 years. So when God is directing us, when he launches us off that wheel and says, not only here's your purpose, but this is where I have you to go, we need to keep going. And see, here's the thing. You can interact with people and minister to them in their area of need, but the difference between ministering to them as you're keeping your eyes on where your journey is taking you. Because I can minister to you, but I'm still making forward motion as to where I'm going. Amen? So in other words, I don't, it, may appear to, it may even appear to the people here that I've stopped but it's just a pit stop to meet your need, and I'm keeping it going. Amen? There's quite a difference. So God said, do not meddle with them. Do not get caught up and entangled in them. Don't be weighed down and so attached to them that you cannot keep mo moving and see what I have in store for you. And most of all, do not barter or look for shortcuts or look for them to fortify and nourish and keep you as you're going on your journey. Amen? Even if you get something from them, realize that you lack nothing. I'm going to get you to your destination. So if you are going to get something, it should be without price, without a debt, be, without being indebted to anybody. Pay through me for the things you need. Amen? And that way you can avoid being stuck in a continuous cycle in which you're not getting anywhere. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. The, Lord, the reason I got this verse is that the Lord showed me two types of cycles as it relates to spinning. You could be on the one that we're picturing here for our text scripture, where it's a rotating wheel that you're on. And if we were to put some kind of mark you know, with a crayon or to etch it, you know, with a needle or something where you can see a mark of the starting point. As that wheel goes around every revolution, you can see the mark of where you began. 
So that's one way in which you can see the rotation of various cycles. Amen? I guess you say a horizontal spinning of that wheel. But then the Lord showed me that there's also another type. And the best way to describe that is you were to see a, a race car or somebody showing off in a car and they're spinning their wheels vertically. And one of the things you know is notice that the car will start fishtailing some, but if it's on south ground, that car, the more the wheel spin, the deeper it will dig itself down into that ground until it leaves narrow tracks embedded deep down into the ground. So he showed me sometimes we're also bearing ourselves down deeper as we allow these cycles to repeat. Amen? So sometimes we end up in the same place that we've been before. Sometimes we're in a cycle in which we're not even moving. We're just fishtailing or we're just getting buried deeper and deeper and deeper. And here's the thing about that. When you're getting dug down deeper with your wheel spinning, you're exerting a lot of power but not going anywhere. That's what makes it really frustrating. Burning rubber, putting a stench into the air and smoke into the air, but you're getting stuck deeper and deeper and deeper in the same position. And he showed me that sometimes that's what the children of God are doing as well. And like I said, you could be revving your engine full steam ahead. You could even be redlining your engine to the point where it's starting to overheat. But yet you're like, I'm exerting all my energies into this. I'm not making any forward progress. I'm just spinning and going nowhere. Because you're not doing it according to the power of the Lord and the will of the Lord and the mind and perceptions of the Lord. Amen? You can't help but make forward progress if the Lord is really leading you in how he propels you and launches you off the will. Amen? But if you're doing things according to your own lust and your own flesh, you can exert so much power that you burn out, yet you get nowhere. One of the things I talked about from the song was that talking about your troubles. There's two lines in there, talking about your troubles. Refer to it as a sin and also talked about never learning anything. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 10 says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and passed, all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. The destroyer. One of the things you see here is that the destroyer doesn't devastate people due to a lack of faithfulness of God, it's actually due to your murmuring and complaining 
about the conditions and the call associated with your life, despite the fact that God has provided you the same blessings and insight as everybody else. We see here there's no strange thing. Everybody, going all the way back to Moses, amen, it says we were all baptized um, in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. And if you really look at the underlying foundation of that, it goes further. It says they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So you know they had a full revelation of Jesus Christ, and he had not come and lived a sinless life and atoned himself for the sins of the world. It says that everything he was doing, they were doing before Christ, it was still laid upon the foundation of he that was yet to come. Amen? So therefore... None of us could say, oh, well, I went off course and didn't do what God expected me to do, and I'm re- remaining in these pe- repeated cycles because I just didn't understand or something wasn't revealed to me that I should have been aware of. No, it says that we all had the same spiritual meat and the same spiritual drink. Matter of fact, you really look at it, we have the Holy Spirit as a great teacher. You know, we have, we're post-sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are temples of the Holy Ghost with the Holy Ghost residing inside of us. You know, we have an even greater opportunity to allow the potter to mold us and refine us and speak to us so that we understand what he's made us to be, what our purpose is, and where he is launching us. Amen? So we can't complain. But as I said, these people were given us our examples. Some of them fell as a result, not of great, it doesn't even say fell because of great sin. It basically says they were destroyed of the destroyer due to their murmuring, complaining about their lot in life, their purposes, their goals, what they were able to do versus what they desired. Murmuring and complaining opened up the door for the destroyer to come in. And in some cases, it says that they literally fell. Some of them actually lost their lives. In some cases, though, people were, as we've been talking about today, staying in a repeated cycle of futility. Amen? So we have to examine ourselves and say, hey, what is my mindset? You know, it's one thing to talk to God and um, spiritual mentors or advisors about your troubles when you're seeking a resolution to them and trying to figure out how to overcome various obstacles that are in your way. You know, so there's nothing wrong to go with God and discussing these things or going to people that you trust to give you a word and to motivate you and inspire you and to uplift you when you need support. It's quite another thing when you just go on people and the whole purpose is I just want to complain. I'm not seeking a resolution. <laughs> and there's people like that. You know, it sounds odd, but there's people like that. Well, when I came to you to complain about my problems, like, I really wasn't expecting you to give me any kind of insight or even try to make me feel better. I just wanted, I just wanted a pair of ears. And matter of fact, you don't even have to respond. Just give me my 15, 20 minutes, my hour, whatever, two hours. You know, some people are long-winded. <laughs> give me my time and your ear. So I can just fill your ears with all the filth really comes down to it, the filth of my complaints. I actually have people, I hate to say it, but there's certain people 
that Pam and I have ministered to, I'll only talk to them, and I won't even respond to them every time. I hate to say that, but I won't. <clears throat> and when I do, always do it in such a way that I don't have to lie. I'll call them. I'll, I'll jump in my car from the speed line to my house. That's their time window. Because if I didn't put a time limit on it, I could literally get off that train at 5, 30, 6 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night. Oh, and, and this is costing this. And, oh, brother, so-and-so did that. And, seriously? So I literally have to orchestrate my call. Okay, just got to my car. 20-minute drive. That's your time. Hello, sister or brother so-and-so. How you doing? Hear all their complaints. Try to get a word in edgewise to elevate them in God. Even to the point I've talked to some people and said, oh, well, you study your word lately? Oh, it's sitting here on my table gathering dust. Hence your problem. And when I get to that driveway, all right, I'm about to get into the house. I'll talk to you later. And I get off, and I feel no guilt whatsoever. Because, see, I ain't going to sit here and be, and that sounds cold, but I'm not going to sit here and be your audience to your misery. If you are not open to word and due season to try to uplift you from that. If you want to stay, stay depressed and sullen, defeated, and doom and gloom, you are welcome to stay there. But I ain't going to join you, and I'm not going to help promote it. You want to just complain and that's it? Find another ear. My ears will not tolerate that. I give, I got you, I give you about like a 20-minute window. All right, peace. God bless you. I'll pray for you. You should pray and study your word. But I'm not going to keep taking that into my ear gates. Amen? Because, see, you know, years ago, we listened to that stuff. Come off the phone like, oh, I feel horrible. You can't just keep taking that in. Amen? So especially as we're talking about our life and where God is taking us, everything's not necessarily going to pan out the way you want it. But you have a choice whether or not you want to praise God and thank him for what you're currently experiencing and going through and learning, or you could choose to be in the crowd of the murmurers and complainers. And as we see here, if you continually murmur and complain, you open up the door for the enemy to come in and start destroying things. I ain't making this up. It tells us here. And matter of fact, it even goes further. Verse 9, it says, Neither let us tempt Christ. He's saying, you, You're tempting Christ. And the word tempt is not talking about you tempting Christ to sin. It's basically saying, You're trying me. You're provoking my nerves. I hung on this cross for you and shed my blood, giving you eternal life. You know, basically said, I've given you exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask and think. And I have opened up the door for you to have life, and not just life, but life more abundantly. And all you could do is, oh, woe is me. He said, you tempted me. <laughs> Old Testament people tempted him and the ground opened up and swallowed him. Maybe we need a little more of that in this day and age. Oh, which side of the Lord are you on? If you be for the Lord, stand here. If you don't have faith in the Lord, stand over there. Let the ground open up. That'd be the world's biggest revival. Because you know what? Christians are some of the biggest complainers that there are. 
We're some of the most faithless people that they are. And we talk a good game, we profess a good game, but when it gets in the trenches of what we should be doing, a lot of times we are found so lacking, that's why we have no power whatsoever to minister to those who are lost and bring them in. Because they see no example to aspire to. So the thing is, as you're going through the circles and repeating various things, you not only are preventing yourself from getting to the place that God has called for you to venture to, but also you set a bad example to the people that are outside your circle looking in and seeing like, well, their life is no different than mine. And when you add the element that you're murmuring and complaining, what I need your God for? You ain't no better off than me. <laughs> Matter of fact, some of them could look at the saints of God and say, not only is your life no better than mine, but dang, I ain't as miserable as you are. All I see you doing is complaining. Where is this Jesus? <laughs> Where is this Jesus that y'all talking about? When you get sick and all here is murmuring and complaining. I thought you told me before that he was a God of healing. I thought you said before when you weren't struggling that he supplies all your needs according to your riches of glory. First time you're struggling. Oh, I ain't got no money. Wait a minute, I could have sworn you, we confused the world. And quite frankly, thank God that I got saved under the circumstances that I did with people that truly believed and walked in the word. Because if I had suffered through some of the people that had called them saints and had, they were my foundation for accepting Christ, I would not be a Christian. Because there's no fruit there's no enthusiasm. There's no godly confidence. There's no backing up of the profession. There's no joy. It's the same old, same old, or worse than people that are out there in the world. So I'd be like, what do I need Christ for? He ain't doing nothing for you? Shoot, I can have a good career, have a good life. You know, I could have had all this stuff without Christ if that's all he can give me. I had enough zeal and intelligence to go out and get that stuff on my own. Amen? So thank God I didn't have a bunch of miserable people around me professing God because I'd be like, I, I can get mine. <laughs> so those of us who know better, amen, should not be walking around murmuring, complaining. Despite our circumstances, we should still be praising God. And once again, we should realize that as we murmur and complain, you open up the door. You know, for some of them, they died through the ground opening up. Other ones, it says here, were destroyed of serpents. And then it says that some were destroyed of the destroyer. And the destroyer may not be this specific spirit associated with you or the angel of death. It basically just saying you open up the door for various forms of calamity to come in and shift you as wheat. And see, sometimes the sadder thing is not them taking your life, but it's to let you live and be miserable. Death would be a mercy kill for some people. Well, at least that, they ain't got to complain anymore. Shoot. Let's close the coffin quick for they resurrect and wake up complaining like they always did when they were here. Let's hear them close the coffin so we ain't got to make sure we don't have to hear them again. I know that's extreme, but sometimes we got to get extreme. You know, some people are saints that ain't. They say, saints that are ain'ts. It's ground. 
Miserable. Oh, oh, it's me. Oh. Oh. You sound like a bunch of ogres walking around growling. How you doing today, sister so-and-so? Before they even say anything, there's that, you ever hear that? People got that groan? There's like this groan, before they even, I know y'all must have run into people like that. How you doing? The vocal cords go down. They get bass in their voice. But it's not bass associated with power and authority. It's a bass. It's the rumbling of their defeat and discouragement and disillusionment. How you doing? Well, well, I was praying for God. My bunion still hurts. Lord knows. Oh, that bunion. Ooh. Be better off 10 legions of demons fighting me than that bunion. God, help me with this foot. Won't God just cut your foot off? So you stop your whining. Yeah, your foot fence, you cut it off. I mean, I'm just, I'm joking, but some people like that. I mean, you know people that complain. I'm telling you, I pick this stuff up. Like, you, how you doing? You see the show, like, oh, here they go. Why did I ask? Instead of saying, how you doing, you should just come up and say, praise the Lord. Looking great. Don't put a how on it. Because they will tell you. The answer. But they don't realize that murmuring and complaining opens the door for the destroyer. By you murmuring and complaining, you are allowing them to come. You're basically, instead of proclaiming your faith in God and letting his power come into your situation, you're opening up the door for allowing demonic spirits to come in as if you was weak. Because you're having a a faith profession and a creative profession. And you're unlocking power because death and life is in the power of the tongue. And when you're saying something negative, you're putting power into the death realm. (laughs) That's just the state of you are right now, but you're not walking around like every day. (laughs) <laughs> no, so believe me, no. <laughs> that's, that's, you're not negative overall, amen? Oh, you're coming off that rally, that, um, that flea market. So that's, that's different if you're having a moment. But see, what I'm referring to is not people having a moment where they're tired. I'm just talking about people. It don't matter. You can see them. You can walk up to them seven days a week, and each time, it'd be negative. They never have anything positive to say amen so that's what i'm referring to you know yes we will all have our moments where we're going through and we're tired and we're worn out but to have that be the condition of your life like i said i didn't even plan that death and life are in the power of your tongue are you speaking life are you speaking death and see the thing is death speaking death isn't necessarily like i hope i die or I hope that situation dies or that situation is going to die. Death is speaking outside of the life, liberty, power, and productivity, and promises of God and speaking that which is negative over your life, circumstances, situations, or the people that you're speaking over. Amen? 
So we need to speak more life. And some people don't realize they are going around in that spinning wheel because it's not only the profession of faith out of their mouth as well as their attitude on a daily basis, but it's also we are prophetically speaking into the existing the stuff that we walk in. Amen? So as you're speaking negative, you rotate around in that circle because you've been speaking the very thing into existence. Well, no matter what I do, I always end up... How'd that get there again? Because in your mind, in your thoughts, in your professions, your, your body language, everything keeps you rotating. Amen? <laughs> That's good, Lord. You know what it's like? Colin Trey didn't live in that generation, but all of us are part of the record player generation. And you know, sometimes you would play a record and it would skip. It would just keep repeating that phrase over and over. Some of us are skipping records in the spirit. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Oh, it jumped that time. The trouble I see. You're skipping the record. Over and over and over again. And like I said, we're doing it to ourselves, through our attitudes, through our professions. Sometimes, as I've already said, due to our unwillingness to be what he's molded and fashioned us to be and where he has launched us to go. We keep ourselves spinning and recycling. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. So we're being charged, amen, to preach the word. In other words, to preach and speak and proclaim in faith. And it tells us not only that, it says to be instant, immediately ready and available. When? In and out of season, doing your good times, doing your bad times, amen, regardless of those things. And I'm not telling anybody to be a robot without any kind of emotions or feelings and not, you know, experience anything like, okay, well, yeah, I know if I wasn't a saint that, you know, I should be grieving right now, but because I am, I have to numb or suppress or hide or dismiss my emotions and everything's wonderful. You know, that was the thing, um, you know, uh, my second mother, Joanne, had to go through. She's like, I know I must proclaim God, but she said, I'm so empty right now. I have no answers right now. So she w- was going through that motherly struggle and that family struggle of I'm so empty from the loss of my son. But then she continues, despite how she feels, to keep proclaiming the promises of God, and she's posted on, on Facebook, amen? So she's encouraging herself, and she's also encouraging others and responding to different people. To, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And, you know, she would say, you know, I appreciate it, baby, but, you know, boom, 
she put something, a, 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 a confidential proclamation or scripture about Jesus in her response. And so, so that's the thing. We are going to experience things. And, you know, even going through that battle of it's okay, it's okay. We're like, no, it's, it's not okay. You're grieving right now. It's not okay. You know, you lost your son. And as they say, no parent should lose a child. It's, it's not okay. It's unfair. It seems unjust. But in the midst of that, grieve, but yet still proclaim. So she's preaching the word in and out of season. Amen? And that's what he wants us to do. Not cycling ourselves back around because our mouths have unleashed or our attitudes have unleashed some kind of fruit that we are now sowing that keeps us continuing to recircle the same frustrations and setbacks that we've dealt with years ago. Amen? Hallelujah. Now talk about us and the potter and how he molds us and refines us. And that word mold means to squeeze, you know, to squeeze us into the shape of what he wants us to be. And I'm sure you all know, too, that potters also put the, the vessel, once they've done shaping it, into a cistern, you know, heat, stream heat, amen, to harden it so that they can put the paint over them. And none of us like being squeezed, and none of us, you know, some of us actually absolutely hate being exposed to the heat of the fiery darts that the enemy sends our way. But there are times where we just have to endure various trials and tribulations, amen? And like I said, as we're going through that process of God doing a work in us and refining us and molding us, when he wants to squeeze you into another shape or he wants to remove our imperfection or as we saw to the extreme, straight out, grab a lump and just totally yank it out and toss it off the wheel. You have to realize that he's eliminating some of the marring and some of the decay that is embedded inside of you. So do we dislike the elimination of the decay, of the impurities? Do we fight it? Sometimes if you fight it, that's another cause for you circling back around and finding yourself back at square one. Book of Hebrews chapter 12 says, Wherefore, starting in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about, with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and, have, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastiseth not? But if you be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. So do we want to be illegitimate children 
in the kingdom of God. And when God puts our clay on a potter's wheel to mold and refine and take out imperfections, do you want to tell God, like, oh, just leave me as I am? There's nothing wrong with me. I want to define how I am shaped, what my purpose is, and where you launch me. You know, if he's a loving father, he's not going to accept that type of mindset in you. And he's going to insist that he purge you and refine you and reprove you if necessary to take out the things that are errant in each one of us. And none of us ever get to the place in our flesh where we don't have something that he can't purge us of. You know, if you think that, I mean, that goes back to when somebody thinks of himself being something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Amen. We all have stuff that needs to be worked on as long as we're in these flesh suits. But we have to realize that instead of fighting the process and maybe repeating it, if God has to straight out chastise you or reprove you, he's not doing it to be mean-spirited or because he hates you or considers you illegitimate. He's doing it because his great love wanting to bring out the best in you and to get you to the place of perfection. You know, and in this body, as we're here on earth, we are likely to never reach the place of total perfection. We can almost guarantee that. But at least he is doing his best to get us in the right direction. So the more we fight against God's changes and chastisements and reprovements, the more we're going to stay exactly as, as we are and have to repeat the cycle because he's not going to just sit back and tolerate our attitudes. And quite frankly, that's the attitude of stubbornness when you're going to tell the maker that he doesn't have the right to purify you and take something out of you that he sees as glaringly wrong. Amen? So he's going to do that. Uh, we have the choice whether or not we yield to it and thank him for it or whether it doesn't come down to him treating us as illegitimate or adoptive children. It comes really to us doing that to ourselves. If you're telling him that he's not a loving father that can't change you at all or or mold you, or try to tell you things that need to be cleared up. He's not calling you illegitimate. You're really treating yourself as being an illegitimate child. Amen? <laughs> Next one's 1 Corinthians 5, 6-8. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out therefore the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So God wants us to have the unleavened bread, amen, not to have a bunch of leaven in us. It talks about the leaven of the Pharisees being hypocrisy. God, as he examines us, finds some leaven in there as well that needs to be removed. But see, not only does he go through the process of refining us, but at a certain point, he wants us to mature to a level in which we start examining ourselves instead of bragging about how wonderful we are and gifted we are and, oh, we're such a treasure to the kingdom of God. He says, here, your glory is not good. Amen? And he actually gives us a responsibility in verse 7. It says, purge out therefore the old leaven. That's something he's saying to us. Yes, there could be certain stuff I tell you to clean up in your life. But when you know you have something that ain't right, 
Start working on getting it right. You shouldn't have to sit back and have me point out every single thing that you're doing wrong. Amen? You should get to the place where you start to catch yourself. You know, one of the things I find in terms of the Wing Chun training, one of the best examples of me growing is sometimes I'll do a move and I was like, ah, my arm was a little off on the angle or I used too much force to do that technique. And then I'll go back the next time I try it and I, I pay special attention to what I'm doing to try to come to another level of perfection in that. So I'll, even in a mistake, I'll start catching the flaws and the areas in which I need to improve. And we should be the same way in terms of our walk with God. Amen? We shouldn't have to have other people come to us and tell us, oh, well, you're not right when you do this or you act like that or God stepping on our toes. Amen? We should be able to, to a certain extent, begin self-policing. Amen? And monitoring ourselves. And the reason that's so critical is that a lot of times only God and you know certain things anyway. Amen? There's just certain times that the packaging on the outside might look great, but on the inside, things are wrong. <laughs> that's why Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed sepulchers. He called them a brood of vipers. And he told them to stop worrying about cleaning the outside of the cup when the inside it's all jacked up. Amen? He said, uh, I see the inside of you. And you got the right clothes on. And you know how to follow traditions of men, but uh, you're filthy inside. The problem with them is they got angered by it instead of repenting and having a heart for God. So what choice do we make on that matter? You know, do we choose to self-police? And do we, whether it's through our own noticing of things that are wrong or God speaking to us or his word showing it to us, do we fight it and act like a Pharisee? Oh, no, no, nothing wrong with me. Or do we allow ourselves to be reproved and have some of that stuff squeezed out of us by the potter or pulled out of us? 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 22 says, Study to show thyself approved of God. A workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly divining the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word shall, doth, shall eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having a seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. For in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we see here once again that we have a choice. Are we going to allow ourselves to be purged? Are we going to try to hold on to stuff, pick stuff back up that's been pulled out of us, and continue to cycle around and wonder why we never seem to get anywhere? Amen? But we see here that we have a responsibility to purge ourselves. And then it says we have a choice. What type of vessel do I want to be for the body of Christ? Gold, silver? I guess we could take it down to bronze, aluminum, tin, porcelain. Or we can go all the way down to wood 
and of earth. And some vessels, vessels are honorable, whereas other ones are dishonorable. As God is taking us through these phases, phases of refinement, and even if you come to the place where you cycle back around and you're like, wow, I can't believe I'm back to square one. One of the reasons God is taking you through the process of squeezing and pulling out lumps and refining you again is that he wants each one of us to be a gold vessel. So we shouldn't be frustrated, in other words. You know, we should be thankful. And yes, we do want to get to the place where, okay, this, this year, you know, I was a vessel of wood or of earth. Next time around, whoa, I stepped it up a couple knots to porcelain, but I'm still not quite gold. A couple of years later, okay, I got to China. Uh-oh. Not getting prideful, though. Well, I finally got to the place of China, but then keep us going until finally we get to the place of being a vessel of silver or gold. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The last thing the Lord placed upon my heart <laughs> is that on the wheel where he is laboring, it talks about him. He says that he wrought a work. He wrought a work. That word work means deputyship or ministry. Deputyship or ministry. God is rotating you on that wheel to form and fashion and refine you. And he wants to deputize you and launch you out into the world. Amen. So he wants to make you a deputy. He wants to put a badge on you of authority to go out there and minister to the world and to police various situations and to bring justice where there was injustice. Amen. That's what God wants to do. The Philippians 1, 3 through 6 says something that's very important about that. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making requests with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And when I was looking at this passage, it says, he who hath begun a good work in you. That word begun means to commence or make a ruling on. So when God has begun a work on us, or even if we've come around on another rotation on the spinning wheel and he has to mold and refine us again into another vessel, each time he is com he's making a ruling on what he's called you to be do, what your purpose is and what he wants you to be, and then he starts the commencement of this into motion. And then it says, not only will he begin or make a ruling on you in this process, but it says, he who has done this will perform it into the, until the day of Christ Jesus. That word perform means to fulfill further or completely. To fulfill further or completely. And when I first read that, I was like, that sounds a little odd to me, you know, to fulfill further. But then he brought me back to our text scripture with the potter on the wheel and the fact of sometimes he having to make you a vessel again of another good work. His intent with each one of us putting on that wheel is that it will come to total fruition what he planned. But he realizes that 
for some of the reasons that I've already talked about, a lack of understanding, fear, not wanting to be what he wants us to be, fighting up against what he wants us to be. Sometimes we've got to come around another cycle, and even though his intent is each time to fulfill you completely, because we sometimes fail, we come back on another round, and he says, oh, you didn't make it, so I'm going to do what it takes to fulfill and bring you a step further to where you're called to go. Amen? <laughs> so he'll get you a step further. He'll keep, in other words, working in you, working in you, and working in you, and will never give up. So he desires to complete the plan and the purpose of your life. And he deputizes and dispatches each one of us for our ministerial endeavors. And like I said, we may fail to complete each phase in its intended rotation on the wheel, but he will continue to remove your flaws and take the necessary measures to move you along on the path of the original plan that he had for you. God never gives up on his original plan for you. You know, that's one of the things that's so wonderful about God, that he's going to continue to launch you. You know, you could fail and sit under a terabith tree after a Jezebel chase you, and God will say, you know what, what are you doing here? I'll dust you off, pick you up, and oh, the next phase you're going to go anoint a king. You know, so many times that we fail and fall short, and God says, nope. I'm not accepting that. You're still like a Gideon, a mighty man of valor, and I have somewhere that I'm taking you. So get up and go. He'll dust you off, but he'll never negate the original plan that he had for your life. And you can write this down. I'm not going to read it. 2 Corinthians 3, 2 through 6. It talks about God making us living epistles. Amen. And it talks about um, we don't have to think of anything in and of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And it says that through God, he's made us able ministers of the New Testament. Amen? That word able means to be qualified, competent in character, as if coming into season, sufficient. Once again, it means qualified, competent in character. How many times have we consider ourselves incompetent? God says, I've made you qualified and competent in character. And it's as if you're finally coming into your season. Amen? So God, once again, never gives up on us. He just continues, you know, to take us through various phases. And if we get to the place where we don't fight how he's trying to launch us and mold us, it would just get us that much further along, amen, to where he asks us to go. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Lord. Once again, give us the opportunity to partake of your word, your word which is inspired, anointed by the Holy Ghost that's living and breathing, and that discerns down to the thoughts and intents of the heart, to the joints, to dividing of joints of marrow. And we just thank you, Father, as we study to show ourselves approved, Father, you continue to do a divine work in each one of us. We just give you glory, honor, and praise. We ask you, Father, right now to 
um, bring back to our remembrance, Father, the scriptures that we need to abide by as we walk through daily situations. And Father, we find ourselves going through various cycles that repeat themselves, Lord. We praise and thank you, Father, for giving us illumination as to why these things occur, what adjustments you want to make in our lives, which things you want to remove from us. And we just praise you, Father, that, hallelujah, as we would go through this process, Father, we would not pick back up anything that you've chosen to remove from us. Uh, we thank you and trust you, Father, to remove the lumps. And, Father, that as we would lead them there, Father, you would not only fill us, hallelujah, with things that are not Band-Aids, but things that would truly fortify us and mature us and empower us, Father, but also that we would see clearly the areas in which you've launched us into. And we thank you, Father, that we would stop, hallelujah, those repeated cycles, Father. Give us alertness, Father, even as the enemy would try to bring things in, hallelujah, to set the stage for us to be caught in those cycles. We praise and thank you, Father, that you would, uh, by your spirit, give us a check, hallelujah, that would show us to, how to avoid those things. And Lord, um, give us the strength not to pick back anything that we shouldn't be, hallelujah, engaged with. And also, as we saw, Father, um, as you would have us venture from place to place in the spirit, and in the natural, Lord, let us not meddle in the things that you have not called us to touch or be intertwined with, Father. Even in the midst of us ministering and continue to have a heart for people, Father, let us, by your Spirit, avoid entanglements, Father, that will hinder us or take our eyes off of the places that you've launched us to. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for power and authority. Father, we thank you, Lord, that even in those times you're chasing us, you do it as our Heavenly Father that wants to perfect us and make us vessels of gold. And we also praise you, Father, hallelujah, that um, we could trust you at your word that you who have begun a good work in us will perform it. We just praise you and give you the glory and honor for the strength and the power, for the vigor, for the resilience, hallelujah, that you would place upon us and that we will walk in it. Father, uh, there be the areas in which we have fought against your workmanship, tried to be something that we weren't called to be. We repent of it right now. And we just thank you, Father, as we yield to your spirit, Father, you would give us clarity, hallelujah, to, according to our purpose and your plan for our lives. And as we would yield to your guidance, Father, we would see, hallelujah, uh, doors opening up, Father. We would see godly fruit produced in every area, Father. And even as we shared before, that it would leave a legacy that would touch the lives of many for your name. Um, right now, we continue to lift up uh, Tandy, Father, as you would touch her, and once again, as she would go uh, for the test this week, they would come back negative. We continue to praise you, Father, for um, uh, Kelly's father, Lord, to continue to do a work in him. We thank you, Father, for getting him out of the hospital, and just praise you, Father, that you would continue to touch his body, Father, to bring him back to 100%. We pray for um, a little diamond, Lord, that you would touch her by your spirit, Father. Hallelujah. Send um, people, um, um, Eric and others, into her life that can minister to her and we praise and thank you father that you would hallelujah cause every spirit of wickedness to flee that you would surround her with your angels that you would speak into her heart directly father and that you would give her comfort and peace and we just praise you father hallelujah send those into her life that will um, wrap their arms around her literally and spiritually father to heal the brokenness in her heart we also praise your father that um 
no negative effect as well, or spirits would um, touch the life of that the two-year-old that has been affected as well. We pray, Father, for um, the mother who had had um, not only Diamond, but all those, the, the 10 other children that you would touch her with salvation as well as the other children. And we just give you the praise, honor, and glory, Father, hallelujah, for everything you're doing. Uh, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.